Welcome to the Moradoff Show. I am Jonathan Moradoff, a leisure property agent at DCL in London. The Moradoff Show is your opportunity to hear about the trends, challenges and inside stories from some of the leading restaurant, bar and late night venue operators, as well as landlords who own venues in the hospitality sector. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the Moradoff Show. And today we are very proud to have our guest on board, Manash Sadik, who owns the Chopstick brand uh, together with Yangzi. Manash, co-founder with Bassam, started the business over 20 years ago with their first site, flagship site, I should say, on Oxford Street. Very brave. And since then, over the past 20 years, have built it to a staggering 70 stores across the UK. Very, very impressive. Manash, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, how are we getting... <laughs> very nice to have you. Um, wow, second lockdown, Manash. Yeah. Who would have thought? How are we getting on at the moment uh, with, with all this uh, you know, crazy time since March? Second lockdown, how are you coping? Okay, um, how are we coping? I think better than the first lockdown, and that's because we are more prepared. And and the difference between the first lockdown and the second lockdown is that they've given us a date of, of when they're, they're, they're lifting the restrictions. Where we, at, in March, didn't quite understand what we were dealing with. We had no idea what the landscape may look like, and certainly didn't have an idea of how long the duration may be. So, yes, it gets easier every time you dealt the same hand. You just understand how to react a little bit better. That's not to say it's easy and it's not to say it's desirable, but um, it's not as scary as it was the first time, I should say. So to answer the question. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. The fact that you've actually got dates this time so you can actually prepare and get everything together. Um, Manash, do tell me, how on earth did you get into this business in the first place? Well, a little bit of a secret. We were in, in food, or my family was in, involved in, in food for uh, some times before that. And we sort of, you know, traded with pizzas and traded with fish and chips and various other QSRs. So, uh, yeah, Chinese, we sort of stumbled across, my brother-in-law and I, um, tried it out in, in, in a small space in Camden. And when we got the hangers of it, we, went, we were fortunate enough to find a site at the time in Oxford Street. Uh, and really went for it. So, uh, yes, it's, it's been a nice and, and very exciting journey. And starting from one flagship site to getting to over 70 stores across the country today, how, how did you get, how did that all get together? How did you make that all happen? What kind of, uh, you know, experiences along the line have you had that you could share with us? So I think, you know, we, we went in, to it you know we're learning now you know that perhaps this was the right way but you go in there trying to say you, you want to make money so we have a good idea and a good concept and you know scoop and box you prepare in front of the consumer they can see that a little bit of theater going on it goes into displays and and the consumer has a a a, a, a journey but the journey is you know whether it's a medium uh, or sorry small medium or large box the bases are, are, are put in and then you have a variety of topics that you can add on uh, into the box. So it's a simple, um, non-complicated uh, um, 
concept and and i think that that's part of the success it's it isn't complicated and certainly when we first started the journey it was very complicated as in the chinese food and many other dishes we the, part of the success was to slim it down and then work on the recipes and 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 i think really the ability to grow was where we could understand the product well enough not to compromise on it but a lot of the processes were done off-site so we we use our distributors to to, uh, to to send the food across it's all nominated lines but most of the processes we you know our sauces or our proteins are, are, are developed off-site so it comes into store and it, you know it gets assembled as opposed to being cooked from scratch so that was the real turning point for chopsticks and why we think it it had legs to grow um we we knew it at the beginning but again it was a great concept but actually doing it and the requirement or you know the skill sets which which were required was tough um, when we could remove a lot of the skill sets out of it and still guarantee the same product then we had something to that you know we we knew that we could actually go nationwide um so that that, that was part of the journey and that's why it's taken such a long time to get to where we are i mean our ambitions are much a bit larger than that so watch this space i love that I've been I've uh, I've enjoyed doing business with you for the past twenty years together, and it's been such a, a treat to see you grow from you know your original high street sites to all these big big shopping centres now and leisure schemes. How how is that how was that transition for you? Because obviously it's very different to dealing with you know private landlords compared to big institutions. Um, how was that initial transition, and how is that how have you been getting on with that since then? Um, so it was a journey, um, and we needed to learn, a like I said, a lot about ourselves. Um, again, re-engineering, making sure that the food gets there helped a lot because that cuts down on the sort of uh, footprint you need so we can actually operate from very tight spaces. Um, we could then impress the landlords and they could see our turnover, so they wanted us in the scheme, but then they wanted us to look as bright as the other um, larger QSR brands, which, again, it was a learning curve. We took on the designers, re reinvented the, the, the brand all the time. We, we challenge ourselves a lot now on the design. Um, and I think we do add diversity. So the, the, the positive is getting into a food court. So you're always going to have the fried chicken operators and you will always have the burger operators. And landlords also need a diversity. So we sit with the Asian QSR, and we're probably a little bit on our own there. So it's uh, to, add, to add diversity in a food court, Chopsticks uh, is now uh, able to do that. Excellent. And going back to March time, um, it was all a bit, it was all a bit chaotic, wasn't it, Manash? You know, I recall you were flying. Your business was solid. Um, you were expanding very aggressively um, with very good results. And then suddenly, this pandemic came about, and everything was put to a very sudden halt. How did you know a man of your position with such a big portfolio? How did you get through this, Manash? So good How did question. you feel? How did you get around it? <laughs> Look, uh, you know, we can all be brave about it today, but um, I think so. For, for us, it was always, I mean, we, we speak about March, but even if you go slightly before that, it was something that was happening in China. And, you know, I, I couldn't quite understand why everybody was kicking up such a fuss. And it's okay, some, some chap in China has got the flu. Why, why is it anything to do with us? And then obviously January and February, things start to look a little bit different. And March, we was almost, the, you know, we were waiting for some sort of announcement by the government. And then the uh, hospitality business gets targeted first without a lockdown. And then, then of course, the, the national lockdown. So I think what it did provide, I mean, 
you start going back to business and uh, you know and that's what we do best i mean we look after margins we try and keep our, uh, our profits you speak to landlords you you know you talk to them say look I've, I've been shut um we need to discuss the rent not every landlord came out of the blocks uh, you know offering uh, rent freeze uh, deals but chopsticks was out of the the blocks first um saying to every landlord right how are we dealing with this in some cases we had red deposits can we use that can we cash that in others can we work on incentives together um you start speaking about the problem early a lot i don't know about everybody else but we wanted to deal with the problem we didn't want to just leave it and see what happens um and then obviously government starts to slowly slowly drip with some incentives so we were trying to create a scheme for the staff before the furlough scheme so we had some ideas of what we may end up doing as a loyalty to the to the to the members of staff, should they if we can retain them with that we paying very little and then and then topping it up when business goes to some form of normality, then of course the furlough scheme came along and and took some of that pain away. But then, yes, so I think the journey was learning a little bit about us, uh, uh, the, the landlords, and and doing deals with landlords right away. Um, but the other thing that the lockdown gave us is time to think when you don't normally have time to innovate and to, and to think. So you're sitting at home and business is shut and you're doing a few Zoom calls, but you've got plenty of time to think and, 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 and understand a little bit more about yourself and your business. And you realize that, look, it wasn't a very large chunk of my business delivery. You know, you think it sits very well with Chinese food. So probably after pizza, Chinese is very, very deliverable, shall we say. Um, yeah. We were we had exclusivity with one of the partners. We then went to every um, delivery partner. So we are with all three now. Um, you just can't be exclusive. I think we've learned that. Uh, we've learned that the pandemic didn't uh, change the world. It accelerated it. I think trends would have gone in that direction. Maybe retailers would have had five years to to work to work on deliver getting the delivery side of the business. Uh, you know, better or, or, or to a larger pro, pro, uh, proportion of their sales. So we learned that very quickly in three months, you're going to be selling a lot. Um, so packaging, uh, the, the offer and how we do it. But the one of the things that stood out for me is, and I'm not, not sure you you know, but we, I know you know, but maybe the viewers don't. We also own another brand, which is called Yangzi. It was an acquisition we did back in 2017. It's very close and very similar to uh, to Chopsticks. And we started to offer the chopsticks menu inside Yangtze as a virtual, a virtual offer. By that, I mean only on the delivery platforms. And we saw that these were incremental sales. So it wasn't cannibalizing on Yangtze. It was adding a choice to the consumer so they could now get their favorite chopsticks uh, meal in a Yangtze store, be it only a virtual store. So if that was possible, would the reverse be possible too? So we then started a little bit of experimenting, getting the Yangtze menu into chopstick stores. And we again, we saw that there is there is a incremental sales um, by giving a, a, a utilizing space in the kitchen, utilizing the manpower and, and sweating the assets a little bit better. Then the thought went for, for, uh, slightly further and we realized, can we develop another brand? Are we able to create a brand using the same cooking techniques that we have, the skill sets, the equipment, and we are now toying with a brand called uh, Jaldi Jaldi, which means quickly, quickly in Hindi. And uh, <laughs> it's an Indian brand. It's available in great name. And they are incremental sales. Um, we've learned that the brand has much presence. So Chop Six going into any of the other sites would always take more money. 
And that is simply because there is value to a brand and, and the consumer understands it, he has seen it, he trusts it. Developing a virtual brand takes a lot of more work. So, and you won't take the same amount of money and it's just, a, you know, the simple reality that the consumer just doesn't understand it as well. But we're working and I think so, yes, to answer your question is you have a lot of time to think and you have a lot of time to develop and that's what we used it for. That's very, very impressive and some really interesting points you raised there to help, to help others get through all this, these difficult times. Um, there's quite a few points you touched there. I was just thinking back when you touched on the landlords. So we found from our side, as a, of the agency side of Davis Coffer Lions, that um, the first few months from Manchester onwards, from March onwards, was all about advisory. And we noticed that if landlords and tenants both communicated with each other, then we got to decent terms and they carried on going and it was in the best interest of both parties. But if there was any side holding back or being difficult, we just weren't getting the progress. And I think both parties would suffer. Um, and I've, no, I've well, we've seen over the past few months that that's become much more common. So they're communicating much better and agreeing terms that are good for everyone. Um, and hopefully that will mean survival across the board, both for landlords and tenants. So it's very interesting to hear that you touched on that very early, which I think is very impressive to, to, to realise that and, and jumped with it. Um, and hopefully we'll see the proof in the pudding in the coming months, Manash, and we see many more chopsticks out there. Um, the other thing you mentioned, so very interesting, you mentioned the, um, the dark kitchen concepts. Um, let me ask you, do you see, you've got a lot of sites across the country, as we spoke about, both prime high footfall um, shopping centres and high streets, etc. And you've also got a lot of sub suburban sites. Yep. Have you seen a difference in the trends now that everyone's been working from home more? And, you know, we've certainly seen a big uplift in suburb demand for sites there and both the trade there as well. Have yep. you seen a fundamental difference in your day to day trade? Absolutely. And there's a big debate whether your best sites remain your best sites after the pandemic. And as consumer habits have changed and more and more are ordering out and more and more perhaps working a, a, a particular time of the week, home as opposed to office. And there's that split of how often you go into the office, if at all. I think the one thing that doesn't change is your habits. So if you, if you are you know, uh, regularly eating at a, at, a, at a particular time, whether you sat at home working in front of the laptop or in the office, you will still feel hungry at the same time. You will still order something in or walk to your local shop and, and get something to eat. So habits don't change. Where you are located does, and that offers a, a, a potential to, to, to a more, uh, to a different site. So yes, we've seen our best delivery sites are not necessarily the best sites we've ever traded from. And there's probably quite a logical answer to that. And that is, you know, historically, uh, we looked at, you know, chopsticks needed to be up in very busy foot, uh, football locations. So in the prime retail pitches or in food courts or uh, destination hubs. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean a dense uh, chimney pot uh, location where, where families would order from. And if it does, you also have to, sitting in a shopping center, you would need to be talking about what opening hours are permitted. Um, some shopping centers closed, um, you know, at five, six o'clock, you know, most delivery in the golden hours on the delivery platform would be six, seven and eight. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, when going back to landlords, one of the conversations we're having with, with some landlords are, can you actually leave the shopping center open longer? In, in if only for the, the for the delivery drivers to come in and out 
to allow longer uh, dark kitchen, uh, uh, you know, possibilities. So, and Landos are resp uh, responding and responding uh, very well to, to the idea. So I think it's not just a case of telling the landlord, do you mind if I can have some rent free? You also got to come to the table with something else. So it's either you can re-gear your lease, you can talk about opening hours, you can entice the landlord into turnover schemes if you are to be successful. Um, so there are, there are other ways than just telling a landlord, look, I just need rent free and that's it. So, you know, we, we're in this mess together. We've got to find a way out. Um, but to address the dark kitchen. So yes, we, we see, we see this possibility so much so that we realize two things are happening here. We are getting very much, much better at what we do. The, the concept is as simple enough for a tourist to deliver uh, a tourist with some basic training. Um, so we can take, uh, you know, warm bodies who are food handlers, not chefs, teach them within a week or less the chop to deliver the chopsticks concept. And, and then as, as such, they can deliver it in another destination. And we looked at pubs. We've done two trials now. And it's a, an amazing bolt-on opportunity for anybody trying to get more revenue out of their kitchen. Um, why pubs? Because they tend to be in suburban areas lot of chimney pots, a lot of community with not very much offers next to them. So, and they don't cannibalize on, on the chopsticks in the high street who's actually consumer is, is you know, incidentally buying because he's walking past. I think that's a really impressive idea because ultimately at the moment, everyone is looking for any possible in, you know, increase in their revenue streams. You've got your fixed costs already as a pub operator or as a bar operator. And again, food is not really something that's huge on your menu. So if you can come in and place your, you know, your Yangzi or your chopsticks concepts in there uh, and bring an extra revenue and share it out, unbelievable result. I think that's very, very forward thinking, a, a great idea. Even the land, everyone's a winner on that front, aren't they? That's really, really impressive. I, I can see that model growing quite quickly. Yeah, we've got quite a few now in, in the pipelines. And the, the, the one other thing is that some pub operators are quite, you know, um, savvy when it comes to food i think what chopsticks offers is it's at the end of it it's a nationwide brand and and starting off with the earlier point on the online platform a brand is recognized and a brand does sell more um, and we've seen it when we've adding some of our own brands in, into our state chopsticks will always outperform the others and just because the consumer are more comfortable it's amazing to, to see that the, the true value and potential of that, and also obviously great for your IP in value as and when you're growing the brand. Um, do you think on that basis, Manash, that we're going to see less units being taken up in central London um, because of this dark kitchen craze that's going on at the moment and all these delivery situations? Or do you feel that that's a separate market? Because we've all forgotten the magic word, tourists. We've not seen them since March, and they're such a huge part of our industry, aren't they, Manash? Um, do you think that we're going to see a big change fundamentally, that central London and, and the city, which I guess are two very different markets, versus suburb? Um, yes, so I think they will behave differently. I think to, to an extent they always did. I think what changes, and we will see we will see the level of turnover that can, can be uh, in time, um, the, the, the commanded in those locations. So if tourists do come back and more, then I suppose the rent being your fixed cost and which is measures to your ten, turnover uh, will remain the same or slightly go higher. If the, um, the tourist 
um, and the markets don't come back to how it was before and there's a slight dip in what they are, eventually there will be a, you know, a correction on, on, on what the rents which are paid. And I think that, you know, locations outside the main, the main pitches or, you know, in more suburban areas, rents were never that, that, that uh, difficult. Uh, it was always, could you get enough tra uh, trade? You do have now uh, delivery trade, which, you know, we always did, but it's growing and it's growing no different to where retail was. I mean, you know, go back, I don't know, 15 years ago, retailers would make, I don't know, 10, 15 percent, uh, you know, of their turnover on 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 uh, de delivering the product to, to your house. It's over 50, 60 and 70 percent today. So consumer habits are changing. Um, they've changed in retail. There's, they're changing now in the restaurant and hospitality business. Uh, and as operators, we just got to be a little bit ahead of the game and understand that it's happening. Yeah, interesting. Um, so two things on that. At the moment, um, you mentioned you've adapted your model, which, which sounds very impressive. And I really hope that you smash through this, Manash, and, and shine like you have been um, as a brand together with Bassam. Um, do you think when the government... Um, if the government, which I assume they will, reintroduce the business rates from uh, the next financial year. And we've got the VAT aspect, which, as you know, has been reduced currently to help us. Can we then survive? Is that model still something that's current and that works for where we're all, you know, how we operate in today's society? What are your thoughts on that? My thought is that those corrections which the government introduced because of the coronavirus were corrections that needed to take place possibly before Corona, before anybody understood anything to do with the pandemic. So whether business rates um, are applicable in the way they were, I know the government needs to re generate revenue, but I, we've spoken about it and to, to do more with retail. If most of our produ uh, products are coming into the, to the house, as opposed to us going into the high street shops, should there be a correction on business rates? And by that, should the Amazon of this world and any other retailer that delivers to the house should they be paying slightly more than six pounds a square foot in leicester uh, on on a big uh, warehouse um and where the where, where central london is paying 180 200 and and more a square foot in central london so there's a correction to be made it's up to the government to get it right um i'm optimistic that they will because i think that if anything that you know coronavirus has actually um tunneled uh, the, or concentrated the focus on what, where, where retail and where hospitality is. Uh, the same with VAT. It shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all. Uh, we've seen other countries uh, have adapted that uh, b way before the pandemic. And 20% on absolutely everything just, you know, doesn't quite work. So you've got different industries, even different industries within the hospitality business that perhaps there, there, there could be a, a, a different tariff for, for, for different operators. I mean, one idea is if yeah. you want to get people into the high street is charge a larger proportion of VAT, call it 25%, for online sales, and then 12.5% in retail. So actually try and incentivize people to go to the shop to get, to get some form of a discount uh, um, to revive those, uh, the, the high street shops. Otherwise, they won't exist. It'd be as simple as that. They're just won't exist yeah there, there, there has been talk hasn't there of putting a, a small percentage tax on all internet sales going forward um so maybe at some stage when that's if and when that's implemented there could be some form of balance but i guess we'll have to watch this space um 
Manesh, what what uh, what advice could you give for the young embryonic startups that, that are out there at the moment who've got there are so many phenomenal concepts and we've seen over the past few months how they've adapted so well. You've got people like, you know, the Dirty Martini with their cocktails, you know, home delivered, genius idea, and that I, I believe was very successful. You've got the Pizza Pilgrims make your own pizza at home. There's been so many other creative ideas which I think have been you know, such a such a dream to see. It's been wonderful and, and so well received to uh, to keep the consumers happy as best they can in this you know difficult time. Um, what advice can you give these kind of smaller groups who are growing um, in general? These, these small restaurateurs that want to expand and, and go nationwide. You know, is it a time of opportunity? What, where do you think it's at? Well, if the aspiration is to grow, I don't think you could find a better time. Um, you know, you can't grow when, when everybody's on the up because such is just not available. I mean, we, we are, we've got probably four um, in legals currently and in sites that, you know, in my 20 years were, were quite tough to try and get. Um, so those markets are getting softer. I think you can achieve uh, good commercials with landlords and fair com commercials with landlords. And I think that there is, a, there is in the horizon, a correction, as we said, with, with business rates, perhaps VAT too. I think you should continue to innovate because I think you should be thinking forward with more about your delivery and how you can be more accessible to the consumer. It's not just on by way of the high street any longer. There are other ways to get the, the consumer involved in, in your product. We've seen it as simple as trying to get it to the house. Or, or you can get like slightly more, you know, you know, chopsticks. We could also work. We and we are working on ready-made sauces and various other, uh, you know, retail um, propositions using, you know, uh, the consumer loyalty. So, or, or at least addressing that consumer loyalty, wanting to see us in retail spaces. So yes, continue innovating. The, the pandemic's taught us a lot about our business. Has taught us that the consumer habits are changing. I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think that, you know, we should channel all of those uh, uh, ideas into practical solutions. Excellent. Okay. Manash, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts and views with us today. Um, I think the summary I, I've taken from this is, you know, diversify, get on top of things quickly and, you know, get on board with the dark kitchen. We've understood the value of brand and, getting out there and jumping on board to, to getting diversifying, getting out there, being more creative, um, potentially adapting more to suburbs. Um, and hopefully when the tourist market comes back, we'll, we'll see the central London and the city thrive again. Thank you so much. I wish you and Bassam continued success. Um, and I look forward to uh, increasing your pipeline from four to 10 this month. Thank you, Manash. All the way. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks for see having you. me. Thank you for listening to The Morilov Show. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes.